One of the things that really drives me is the potential growth of Green Umbrella Marketing, the, the business that I, that I own. I make my plans, I put my sales forecasts together, I put my sales plans together, and I am really focused on where I can take this business. Now imagine, imagine I could take this little fledgling business in sunny Northamptonshire and take it global, take it to a point where it's turning over 150 million. That's just like, that's so beyond my, my realms of possibilities and imaginations. And I, I'm always, I'm sure I've talked on other episodes before about thinking bigger and how do I think bigger? And this is one of the questions I'm going to, going to, ask one of the topics I'm going to discuss on today's podcast but like to me it's mind-blowing to think that you could take a business to that level even though it happens all the time and I, I just I'm just kind of trying to imagine operating at that scale different countries the client base that you have at that point the the caliber of clients that you've got the level of operations you're dealing with and then actually the gut-wrenching feeling in the spring of 2020 when all of that collapses and it falls to zero. Today's guest is someone that experienced exactly that. I am so excited to welcome Simon Leslie to the Christina Talks podcast. This is going to be a really interesting conversation and um, a conversation with someone who Everyone's probably touched their product at some point. Most people have probably touched their product at some point and probably don't know this guy existed in the background. So let's get into it. Let's get Simon in and um, get him to introduce himself properly. Welcome to Christina Talks. So Simon, welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. I'm really pleased to have you join me today. Um, I, you know, I've done a little bit of an introduction, little tiny bit of a teaser, but I'd love for you to sort of just introduce yourself directly. Tell us, tell us all a bit about you, because I think people probably have held your product in their hands, but may not know who you are. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's good to be here and, and have the dulcet tones coming through the airwaves. I've, um, yeah, somebody, somebody over the last 15, 20 years has read something that I've produced. I've uh, been lucky enough to work with all the biggest airlines in the world, with the exception of British Airways. So, but at most of the other airlines you've flown on, I've uh, I've produced their media. I work with airlines, airports, travel companies, and I produce travel media. And that that's what I do. And every, in in my spare time, I write books and poetry. So it's like three, four books you've written now. Uh, three books and a poetry book. Fantastic, fantastic. So obviously your sort of your story, what's happened with you in business the, the last couple of years, there's some, um, it's quite an exceptional story in that you've, you've built your business up to sort of, you know, 150 million. And then because of the pandemic, things kind of disappeared around you. So I'd, I'd love to talk a, a little bit around that, but I don't want that to, to dominate the conversation. So, I mean, just, just sort of talk us through briefly sort of how that all came about and the um, experiences around that, that you obviously got to a point where it was like, okay, this is, it's time to pull the plug now. This is what we need to do. So I'd, I'd love your insight around that. Yeah, I never pulled the plug. <laughs> I did think about it multiple times, but I never quite pulled the plug. It's, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, if you'd said to me at the beginning, this is going to go on for two and a half years, I would have gone, see ya, and I would have been out the door as quick as everybody else. But it was just one of those things that just kept going and kept going. And I was living in sort of four-week batches of it. You know, the first four weeks were, okay, what do you do now? The next four weeks is, okay, let's try and keep everybody sane. And so on and so forth, and somehow we got we got through it. We we managed to transition the business from a magazine-dominated business into a into a truly digital marketing business, which is targeting the travellers. And that's that's always been what been our uh, 
our modus operandi, but we, we, we used to do it through the in-flight magazine. Now we have a TV network, we have digital retargeting, we have access to passengers at every point of their passenger journey. And, and they really are to unique audience. It's, it's, the, it's the filtered audience. They, you know, you've taken off the really poor, the really old, and you've, what you're left with is quite a wealthy, affluent audience who has money to spend, who is interested in doing new things, who are quite adventurous. Some of them will put it on the credit card. Some of them are just happy spending. And I think it's really interesting that as a, sometimes we're, we're seen as a sector. And, and when, when the pandemic was on, it was, we're not targeting travelers. I said, okay, but you still need to target these, these people when they're not at home anymore, when they're out of the, the normal sphere of marketing. And that, that's roughly what we do. The only difference is today is that we can reach them at every point of their journey. When they're thinking about travel, when they're booking travel, when they book travel, when they're on the beach, when they're in their hotel room. So at every point, we can talk to them on your behalf. Fantastic. So making that shift, I mean, it's for something that uh, was more of a traditional product to kind of bring that innovation to it. There must have been some challenges within that, sort of both sort of you know, within the business, with your current employees, but also with the people that were buying from you as well get them to see things differently in that way 100 percent. but we've been trying to do this for, for 15 years and i always say trying is failure you know in in 2007 everybody told us that the end was nigh for the for that horrible in-flight magazine and in 2019 it was our best year ever you know we had the, the highest performance we've ever had so i don't think you know if covid hadn't come along the in-flight magazine Magazine would have still been flying high, and all the things we're doing today, we wouldn't have never, we wouldn't have been able to do. So it gave us an opportunity to to really change the business in the way we've been trying to do it for the the previous fifteen years. In making that change, when you I think when you're in a business that things are tough, so whether it's the pandemic or um, you know, lots of people talk about recessions and that kind of thing, and maybe it's going to come in the future in some businesses. When you've got a team of people that are perhaps feeling like things might be a bit risky and you're trying to do something different um, and, you know, you, you need your salespeople to be in a good place from a mindset perspective, what tips have you got around sort of managing that, like managing that team, morale high keeping people on point because that must have been quite a challenge for you a challenge now probably a dozen times over the last 30 years but the, the, the key thing is if there's a recession just we need to agree as a team that we're not participating you know if everybody else wants to to join that pity party that's up to them but us as a group we're not participating and i'll tell you why we're not participating because Whatever business you're in, this is the reason why we, we deserve to exist. This is the reason we deserve to be here. And this is why you should be buying our products, spending money with us, whatever, you know, fill in the blank. For me, I'm, I'm excited. You know, if there's a recession, one, that, that's going to present opportunities for people who are not so good at doing what they do. And that, that's always good. That's always good for acquisitions. And the travel space never really gets affected by recessions because people still need their holidays. They still need their trips. Businesses are actually more aggressive. They go and see clients as opposed to sitting on Zooms. You know, it's it's face-to-face contacts. It's handshakes. It's I need to be there out there. I don't want to lose business because I think I haven't got my message across clearly. So you've, um, I know that some of the books you've written sort of relate to the, the, the sales process as well. So when it comes to that, the rapport building part of sales, I, I'm a big believer that that's, that's the make or break. Um, I'm sure you've got some tips to share along those lines as well that would, you know, both in, in, the, in your industry, but would be true whatever, whatever world you're operating in. Easiest way to build rapport. Or questions and, and be interested rather than spout on about how great your products are and how great you are and how great blah, blah, blah. Who cares? The only thing that the person who's in front of you cares about is 
are you a good listener? <laughs> do you understand what my problem is and can you help me fix it? And if you can't, if you can't do those three things, it doesn't matter how great your product is, doesn't matter how good your widget is, doesn't matter how many people use your service. You know, every day I get hundreds of emails from people selling me something. And most I just delete. But every now and again, I'll write back to someone and say, why? Why have you tried to do this this way? Why don't you pick up the phone? Here's my telephone number. Phone me if you want to talk to me. I've got no interest in buying your product because you obviously haven't done any decent research. I said, but if you phone me, I'll tell you how you can uh, how you can improve your cold outreach, how you can improve your 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 LinkedIn messaging. You know, the amount of LinkedIn messages you get, you know, I'd love you to join my group. And then the next thing is woof. And then you get it copied and pasted four or five times. And then I go, oh great. Unfriend. It is like everyone is so reliant on digital and automation and it, you know, we're both living in worlds where we're, we're helping brands to use digital tactics, digital strategies to get the message out there. But at the end of the day, if you want that conversion to happen, there has to be a human to human communication involved. And more often than not, that means picking up the phone, which I think people, have, people just shy away from now, don't they? Let me ask you another question, agency, and, and, and obviously I have a digital business today, and clients come to us and they say, right, we want to give you this test budget to test you, uh, your services, and they want to test my services on a 12-week campaign, two-week campaign, whatever the length of that campaign is. And I'm saying, what is, what is, how long are you in business for? Are you only in business for the next two weeks? And they go, no. So, so why are we doing a test campaign? And what, by the way, what are you testing? My product works fine. You're testing if your message is relates to my audience. That's all you're testing. So if it doesn't work, you can't blame me, right? Because that's what most agencies are going to say is your product doesn't work. I'm saying my product works fine. It works for many of the biggest brands in the world, but it didn't work for you. Come on. Do you know, sometimes I feel like what you're actually testing is not my service. It's your sales process. Because I, I can get you the attention all day long, but actually, can you, are you a, have you got the right process in place to get it over the line? And, and you've got to be confident and strong enough that as a customer, as an agency, as you know, people listening to this in your business, if you're not confident and strong enough in your product, then people will just bully you to, to give them results that are un, unattainable. I, I tell this story because it's something that I'm really passionate about. I used to have a, a, an advert which I cut out the Sunday Times, which was a Sunseeker advert, and it said, many dream but few achieve. And I had that posted, pinned on my kitchen wall when I was 19 years old, and it took 30 years for me to, to go to Sunseeker and Paul and, and look at their boats. Now, that's a massive, that's a long <laughs> uh, lead time in terms of, but, but, but for 30 years, every single day, that message was resonating with me. Great message. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than your message and your in, your inspiration for, for the customer to react. But it doesn't mean it didn't work. It might not work in the two weeks, 12 weeks, 10 weeks that you give me to do it. But I guarantee you that someone will remember the message that I, that I put in front of them. Absolutely. It, it, you know, it's about creating the touch points. It's about It's about building that relationship of trust and that loyalty over time. I always say, you know, I don't do Google ads because there's there's no loyalty there. It's someone searched it, you pay to be at the top, they've bought it, that's it, done. Well, it's a it's a one-time purchase because next time that individual is going to follow the same process. And if you weren't number one, like in the ad space on Google, you're not going to get the sale that time. Whereas actually, if I can create the touch points, if we can build your database, if we can make sure that we're getting in front of these people so many different ways with the repeated messages if we come from the right place you know if, if we're if we're the right the right provider for them they're going to buy from us because they're going to want to buy from us they're waiting for the opportunity for them to be able to buy from us and I think this is this is where I say you know we see marketing and sales in a lot of businesses as like completely separate things and this is where we need to work out how do we merge them together and make sure that we've really defined this is a lead now 
this person's had a had enough schmoozing enough love that actually now we can take them into that sales environment take them into that sales process why on google does nobody advertise alongside you that's what i want to know you've obviously done something well (laughs) (laughs) god yeah um so do you know that your story is quite interesting because this is something else I, i wanted to to talk about with you so Obviously, you you built Inc. to this, you know, the, a number that I just, I can't even, I would love to build this business to, you know, a, a turnover at that level. But for me, that requires thinking bigger. And this is one of the things that I'm like, I'm always like, how do I think bigger? How do I think bigger? So there would have been a, a point where you were mid six figures and it was time to crack seven you crack seven and now it's like right how do I think bigger again and think bigger again so so tell me about that tell me about how you know who have you what have been the influences what's been what's allowed you to think bigger because I honestly I think if you didn't think bigger you wouldn't have been able to achieve what you achieved in business there's a couple of things that that triggers in my head the the last chapter of my book of the new book equanimity there was a there's a point where I walk into the Bellagio poker room and I look around and there's the one, three table, there's the two, five table, and then there's the 50, 20, 50, hundred table, whatever the biggest table is. And I'm thinking they're all playing the same cards, same amount of opportunity, but that table over there, the winner, the winning is so much bigger. And that, and that was the metaphor for me, which is we're all playing the same game of business. You either decide you're going to play the small game, you can play the medium-sized game, or you're going to play the big game. And I think with the in-flight magazines, we decided to dominate that space in 2005. And in in that next three years, we won contracts on every continent. All I opened up in Singapore and in Atlanta at the same time. So imagine that three different time zones trying to run business, flying economy at that stage from one side of the world to the other. And that that was... That was tough, but I had a very big, we as a group had a very big vision. That's what we wanted to do. And when we when we invested in Reach TV in 2019, it was a small TV network at the airport. During COVID, we managed to acquire the CNN business at the airport, and we managed to turn that into the biggest airport TV network. And we we're just about to open up in Africa and Asia. It's just when you see an opportunity, I got 23. 23 no's from CNN. And I never actually got a yes. 23 no's. And that's about being persistent, about being fearless. It's about doing things that other people would have given up on. I had people wanting to partner with me, having to make that decision, do I want to go into business with these people? So there's there's so many decisions. I'll actually give you a better example. Every day, we are presented with opportunity. All of us. It's there. It comes in different guises. Might be someone you have a coffee with says, oh, you should talk to so-and-so or so-and-so. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, and then you forget about it. And, and, I, and, and that is my belief is that there's these opportunities. But most of the time, we've got our head up our backside. And we're not, you know, we're focusing on the current problem, the current, oh, I don't want to grow. I'm just still dealing with what I'm doing at the minute. And I just think that, that that's the truth, that the opportunities are everywhere. And when you're open and you're looking and you're constantly doing the right thing in the right places, talking to the right people, these opportunities come. And they might knock on your next door neighbor's door and they go, no, I'm not, not interested. Then they'll knock on yours. And if you're not aware, you go, okay, they're on to the next person. How many times have those ideas, oh, I wish I had that idea to do that business. Oh, someone else has gone and done it. That's, that's what I believe that happens. That, that was your idea and you ignored it. And they went and found that other person, that other person went, I'm going to make this into a business. Do you think that it's, sometimes you can say yes to everything. Um, is, there, is there a lesson there? Is it, is it you should say yes to everything and work it out as you go along? Or, you know, is there is there a time where you've kind of gone like, do you know what? I'd, I need to stop saying yes to everything and have 
have more of a structure around these decisions? Yeah, as, as each phase goes through, you've got, you've got to stop and go, actually, you know, I've done my pruning, now I'm growing again. I've got to do my, do my pruning grow again. Because you, you should say yes to everything, but then you can say no afterwards. You know, you should be talking to everybody and everything because you only need one thing to happen that doubles or triples the size of your business. One contract that you win suddenly gives you a, wow, we're in a different league now. Oh, this, because we're working with this brand, that's brought in lots of things. Because I acquire another small little agency who's got a few clients, that could that could just bring us with it two or three really key staff. And you go, wow, that's going to help me take some of the stress away from me. So we, you, you've got to be constantly looking for things that might help you. I was I was talking to a guy last week and he talked about a brand. And I thought, that's really good for a friend of mine who's got another brand. I put the two of them together. And his first reaction was, yeah, but, you know, it's not sort of thing. I said, shut up. Go and talk to him. Go and talk to him and stop judging yourself. Stop thinking like a $1 million business. Stop thinking like a $20 million business. Because if you're in a $20 million business, you'll be, you'll be around there today having coffee with him because it's exactly what you need. Oh, well, okay. An hour later, he phones me because I've been speaking to him for an hour. I'm going to see him later. I think this is really good for our business. We're going to, and then yesterday, he phones me because we're doing some due diligence on it because we think it's really interesting. Opportunity is everywhere, and it comes to you in the weirdest guises sometimes. And you do need angels and mentors and coaches and people who can help you, who are looking out for you. You know, I'm looking out for you, right? I'm saying, I've got an idea for you. It's not going to help me. It's not made odds to me, but I'm, I'm throwing you that bone. Yeah. The reason I asked the question is that there's, and it probably is the stage of business I'm at. Actually, it's not even that. It's probably the stage of entrepreneurship I'm at where, um, with it within the my niche, I'm pretty well known. Um, but ego can take over sometimes, and you, you're given an opportunity, and you're so flattered by it, you just say yes. You go through the process, and you think, "What like what was I seeing in this?" So it's it's interesting what you said. Like take the opportunity because I guess sometimes you don't sometimes you don't see the benefit immediately. Sometimes it's a a, a longer a longer play, I guess. Life is a longer game. You know that that. Sunseeker story. We don't know when the decisions we take now, the way of people, how do you know it was a good decision? Well, I had a good outcome. So if you took a decision which you thought was a good decision and had a bad outcome, it wasn't a good decision then. No, it was a bad decision. No, it's not true. It was still a good decision. We still make, you still make decisions which are either good or bad. The outcome, whatever the outcome is, doesn't affect the decision you took. A bit like good or bad. Oh, it's really good. That was a really good deal today. Two months later, you're doing this deal, and you said, these clients are nightmares. I don't know why I'm working with them. Oh, they give me nothing but hassle. I'm not making very much margin on it. But, but two months ago, that was the best deal you've ever had, right? So all these things, you need to look at them and, and keep looking back at them and going, are we doing the right thing? Are we? Is this really help? You know, you... When, when you ask the question about having a big business, you have to have, start with the end in mind. This is what I want the business to look like. And then every decision you make, is it going to get me closer to that decision or, or further away? And when you're doing that, then you then you start getting closer and closer. Yeah, I, th- I think with that vision as well, it's a, when I, so we went through management buyout. I've been an employee for several years bought the business and I had this vision this um evaluation in my very clear valuation in mind and that's that was my marker of success and yeah I bought it in 2019 that that was my big like the biggest thing I could imagine was having that valuation and it's like today I'm like is that all is that as I'm almost like embarrassed by how small I was thinking at, at that point. I'm very aware of just like how much bigger I could be thinking. I remember doing a deal in 2014 and we were bankrupt. Deloitte would try to kill us. And I sat at the first board meeting with our new investors and I said, you will sell this business for an X million. And it was 
it was so big they all nearly fell off the chair. And the biggest mistake I made was I should have put a a, a, a special bonus on hitting that number because they they thought it was laughable. Like, like there is just no way this business is bankrupt. And I said, by the way, you'll do it in less than three years. And they just went, oh, honestly, you're you're such an optimist. I got within a million of that number, and it was just because. I believed and I had a vision and I said, right, I'm going to get there. I'm going to prove all you idiots wrong that I can do this. And they were incredibly happy and they made incredible return on their investment. But it is, it is sometimes as simple as saying, you know, my, my first book was called There's No F in Sales. Right? I wrote it in September 19. Within six months, I had no <laughs> F in sales, right? So be very careful what you put down on paper. I, I make I make everybody write a letter to the future every Christmas, which is a letter to the uh, to them to themselves from a year ahead, just basically panning out what the year ahead looks like. And I make mine, you know, incredibly challenging. And every year I seem to manage them. And because of that, my years get better and better. And I think you know everybody needs to do that. They need to have a vision for what they want to achieve in the next six months, twelve months, nine months, two years. Don't go too far ahead because, you know, the way if you do get into aggressive growth, things will move quicker than, than you imagine. Have you, how do you deal with the, there must have been times where the growth was going so, so quick, so fast that you're almost struggling to keep up with it, struggling to manage it. Did, did you have that situation? Still got it, still have that. Have it all the time. Remember, I lost half of my team, so I'm rebuilding now, and we've got so many assets, so many products now, and we just have not enough good people to be able to fill those, fill those, to sell all those assets. And our assets are like yogurts. You know, if we don't sell them today, they've gone. So I've, I'm, I'm constantly. I've got two jobs today: one looking for great opportunities and to help us grow again, to help us continue to grow, and look for great talent. Because if I can find great talent who can make this business grow a lot quicker than it is at the moment, then we'll be back in, in our seven, eight, nine, ten figures, whatever number it is. Because it, my inventory is, is limitless. Opportunity is limitless. I just need to find the, you know, the right people around me. Yeah. I mean, the, the recruitment world at the minute is – well, for the last 12 months has just been so tough in terms of that talent attraction piece. But I think a lot of it comes, comes down to employer brand. I think the candidates are so shrewd right now when it comes to finding the right employer with the right package. Um, but I mean, have you, have you put emphasis in your business around employer brand and, and building that? Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look on my, Instagram or LinkedIn, you'll see our new office. We spent fortunes making it, creating an environment where it's like Soho House. It's you know, it's like a it's like a what somebody walked in the other day, so it's like a five star hotel in here. Um, and we, you know, I've got fresh juices and fresh coffee and fresh. You know, we got a we got a cool environment. But I, honestly, I don't think that's important. What's important is. One, are you going to grow as a human being within your organization? Too many people are focusing on way too many of the wrong benefits because those benefits, all, you know, they're just signing their life away for what? Oh, I got a, whatever, whatever it is, right? Is this organization going to really invest in you? Like properly, like show you how to improve all aspects of your life. Are they going to really look at you as a human being, not another number, another digit on the on the on the balance sheet and say how can i help you change your life how can i improve your life how can you see things that you've never seen how can you do things that you've never done before and and come here and work here and do all those things and make a good living and have all the other benefits that go with it but somebody who's genuinely genuinely interested in you as 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 that employee rather than yeah great you work here and they give you duty and you've got unlimited holiday and super high commission that normally tells me that the product's not very good you know all, all the things that people are looking for they're mistaking it and we, you know we we had a long time of trying to 
understand what we what you know who worked well in our environment because we had lots of people who didn't work well in our environment they needed that structure they needed that discipline they needed that whatever it was and they were they they wouldn't bloom here but when i find the people who bloom here we just we just take they just it's life changing it really is yeah culture is everything and you know like i said i work with a lot of recruiters and i'm sort of saying at the minute it's like stop selling jobs nobody's buying jobs it's like trying to go to the to the the beach and selling an umbrella or you know like the day with the highest snowfall trying to sell sunscreen you know it's just it's madness we need to sell betterment not jobs you know and 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 i think that really sort of ties in with, with what you've just said um in terms just sort of moving on from that a little bit we, we touched a little bit on innovation already and that the changes you've made in your business you know we're, we're both in digital worlds there's a lot of stuff around web3 and NFTs and all that kind of stuff and it's like who knows where our worlds are going to go next but what do you see as being like the 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 new and next in your sector someone asked me this a couple of years ago you know what do you think of oculus i said I want people who are going on holiday, not sitting there on their sofa in their underpants thinking they're skiing, right? So, you know, there is an element of the metaverse. It's like, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to wear in the metaverse, and this is this is where I'm going to go on my holidays. I'm not interested in those guys. Uh, if I, I'm sure there'll be opportunities for us to <laughs> sell holiday packages to nobodies who are going nowhere. But, but I actually, I am more interested in the fact that world has gone crazy. People are so desperate to go away. The airlines, the airports, none of them can cope with the demand. And, and that, for me, is music to my ears because I think that's that's what my business has always been based on, the fact that the demand for travel is never going to go away. And whatever comes along, <laughs> um, I've watched lots of money go into NFTs and lots of money lost on NFTs. And I'm not rushing. I rushed into digital once and that nearly killed me so this time i'm going to be very patient and let let's see what the world delivers i I, you know getting offered opportunities every single day and i've still yet to see one where i've gone well i get that now that makes a bit of sense but but right now i want to ride this crest of the wave that you know for the next basically what what's happening now is what they thought would happen next christmas 2023 and it's just happened quicker than anybody can cope with all over the world and that's exciting. Yeah, I, th- I think this is the thing that the pandemic is as difficult as it was for a lot of businesses. It has just it's like just hit the fast forward button in terms of what's coming out. You know, the, the stuff, the, the possibilities at the minute from a marketing and advertising perspective. Some of the stuff I've seen is just absolutely, absolutely crazy. And I, I think the. You know, if when I think about SWOT analysis and things like that, it's the, the biggest risk to my business right now is is it actually innovation and not being not being quick enough to see the opportunity, not being quick enough to jump on it, but also jumping on it too quick. And yeah, it's, it's, it's always a fine line. It's always a fine line of you know, I've seen a few startups recently and they've done things and, and then when I asked when I challenged them on the Okay, but you, you've you've invested in this, but you're not focusing on it. It's going to fail. Oh no, no, no! We're doing, it, we're doing it, and then it fails because you can't do stuff and half do stuff. You can't you can't be half pregnant, right? You've got to go for this and do a hundred percent effort into that. If you if you decide that's your new business and that's what you're going to do, you've got to you've got to have the right team and you've got to be dedicated to do it. Otherwise, you are going to waste money and and you're going to. And and it, and you'll say, oh, well, the opportunity wasn't right, or the timing wasn't right. No, it's just you didn't. It's a bit like the weather, right? There's no bad weather; it's just bad choice of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think I think with that as well, there's a big thing in terms of commitment. You know, I I see it all the time. Someone sort that of, they're signed up for something that is, you know, we've told them it's going to be a long term project. It's not something where you're going to get results overnight, and they're like eight weeks in, and they're they're panicked already. You're like, we said this needed to be, a, this was going to be a six to 12 month campaign and you're eight weeks in and you want to pull the plug. 
it's like it's not had chance to work yet so I think sometimes with this stuff it is there is a commitment issue for sure the, the, the everything is so impatient that they're not doing things properly so, so they'll do that with you then they'll pull the plug and go somewhere else and then they'll do it them and all of a sudden they've done 52 weeks and they're they're getting fired because most of these guys are only lasting seven to eight months in their jobs anyway you just have to sit there and be patient wait for the next one to come along and go okay fine i don't i don't know what happened you know i don't, I don't know this this is just facebook you know i put an ad on facebook i get a response and it used to cost me a dollar now that same response cost me twenty dollars and in six months time it's going to cost me a hundred dollars but i'm really still sticking to facebook because my bread and butter you know keeps me I, i'm too scared to switch it off or change it because that's why you know i think i can't remember which brand it was they were spending 1.2 1.3 million a month with facebook and facebook changed the algorithm and the business went past and you just went not it's about 10 million but they, it, it, it just becomes lazy marketing lazy thinking and no plan b does how much does agility become an issue as your business, as the business grew, like as it is now versus when you were, like I said, you know, you, you just cracked seven figures? It's, um, it's, it's what differentiates you from a big company. And, and I might have been a big company, but I still behave like a startup. I kept that ethos within the business as we're still a startup. We're still the new kid on the block. Don't ever think, and I, I, I said this to someone at lunch, we're one deal away from being multimillionaires and we're one deal away from going bankrupt. <laughs> so it, it, you're always one deal away from something. And, and, it, and it really is, I think the, the thing about being agile was what won me the CNM work, won me the contract, being able to do things that nobody else could have done on this. But I didn't even think I could do it because I got letters of credit in 10 10 days to, in a really short period of time for 40 airports, 40 sets of insurance, 40 sets of cabling. You know, that was something that most companies were looked at and gone, this is going to take us six to nine months to do. We had 12 weeks to do it, to do it all. And we did it all. And that's where, that's when you get the benefit of having really agile thinking and possible possibility thinking where anything is possible. You just need to find the right people on the right team to help you do it. I've had something come up recently where, um, and people that are around me, they'll know, I, I keep using this line, which is like, I back me. Something, an opportunity came up that I was des desperate for, and I was like waiting to be asked. And I think the, the probably was a bit of imposter syndrome where it, I was waiting to be asked and waiting and waiting rather than just going in and grabbing it for myself. And I, I suddenly went, do you know what? I back me, I'm going to go in, I'm going to get it. One conversation, I've got the opportunity and I'm like, hurrah. But the way that you speak, it, it kind of feels like you've always backed yourself. You've, you've like, there's, there's no stories here where there was a bit of self-doubt coming in or that imposter syndrome coming in. Oh, no, a terrible imposter syndrome. In 2019, even when we were at our best, people would say to me, oh, you know, you're so successful, blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, but wait till they find out that I don't know what I'm doing. That was my standard response. Um, during COVID, it all went. I got rid of denial, imposter syndrome, because I realised I was bloody good. I realised all of a sudden, actually, I knew what I was doing. And even when I didn't know what I was doing, I was confident enough, like you said, back me, I guess, that I would come out of this smelling of roses. Whatever it was, my grandma had a, had, had a line which I, which I share sometimes, which is, it'll all be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. And, and that just keeps me going. You know, I just keep saying, well, if it's not all right, it's just not the end yet. It'll be all right. It's going to be, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to find the answer. You know, to, 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 to go through a business, and I, and I don't think people, you know, when I tell my story, a lot of the time people go, oh, that's nice. You know, well done you. You got your shit back to shore. So you really don't understand what, what I went through. I had 36 airlines. I lost 33 of them. I had 15,000 clients. Most of those disappeared. We only worked with a fraction of those clients. We had 300 staff. We lost 200 of them at one point. 
this wasn't this wasn't a blip. This was this was a tsunami. This was a disaster of the highest proportion that I'd ever seen. All the way through all the other disasters of the early twentieth 21st century, multiplied by ten, this was worse than that because we we didn't have the ability to be able to trade because nobody was allowed to fly and and the world was in lockdown. So I had to back myself. There was no one else I could go to, and there were times where I kept saying to myself, "Just, just give it, just give in." You know, it's your ego now keeping you going, and you know, you used that word a few times, and I went you know what, this isn't my fault. This is not my fault at all, but it is my responsibility to save it. And that's what I'm going to do. I, th- I think that's the thing. Sometimes it's like stuff's going bad and and you just, or, well, not going bad. That's, that's a real negative way of putting it. Stuff's not going to plan. It's not how you envisioned it. And you're like, are you like, am I, the, like, there's some bits in our services where I'm like, am I, am I just flogging? Uh, I'm really crap at remembering phrases. Flogging a dead horse, whatever the phrase is. And you're like, maybe I should just give up on that. Stop fighting it. If the world is like, or if all the messages are saying like, stop, why don't I stop? But actually in your situation, you, you know, you, you hung on in, you saw it through. And, and I imagine there must've been days where you, you were just in devastation. I was a broken human at one point, but actually it was closer to the finish line than it was in the the beginning. I was quite strong all the way through, but when I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, I fell apart. I mean, I literally probably had a nervous breakdown because I just thought, oh, the relief and (sighs) what do I do now? Then I caught COVID, which I think was just, my body was so weak. It just, that was it. That knocked me out for two weeks. And and I and literally, I came out of COVID with a line in the sand. I said, right, that's it now. No more. I'm going forward. And there's only one way we're going. And 20, in fact, we only ever, we lost money in 2020. But in 2021, we were back in profit. And, and you know, if you want the happy ending to the story, it's 2022 will be our best year ever. So, you know, it was it worth it? Probably not. <laughs> and, it, and And if I, you know, with hindsight, you probably would have done things a lot differently, but you've got to back yourself. You've got to believe in yourself. And also you have a responsibility to the people that, that believe in you and trust you as well. So I said, I bought, I bought the business April, 2019, March, 2020 lockdown hits, et cetera, et cetera. And we all know the rest. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not the smartest cookie. I'm not stupid either. But I would say that 100% there is one specific mentor that really got me through. It was a real, like, someone I could really rely on. So did, I mean, you know, we always say, like, it's lonely. If, you know, being a business owner is lonely and the rest of it. But, like, did you did you have someone to lean on? Was it, were, did you have that support there? I had, 50, I had 50 people in the end. I mean, I, I had 50 people. I mean, God knows how many mentors and coaches and people who would check in to see me. What I, what I did was in, in March 2020, I started reaching out to people saying, look, <laughs> I've got a bit of a problem here. I need, to, I, need to, <laughs> I need to do something. Because the only thing I felt I could do, the only thing I felt I could control was how do I keep my staff engaged and and inspired because I'm thinking this is going to be a 10, 12 weeks, you know, lockdown and we're going to be back to work in the summer and it's all going to be hunky-dory. So I started reaching out to some of the well-known gurus across the world and said, look, would you come in and talk to my team? I reached out to I think 54 and two or three said no, but but the majority of people said yes. And, and they became my unconscious advisors and helpers and inspire inspirations and some of them I knew well some of them I didn't know at all and one after the other I kept listening to what they were saying to my team and thinking to myself oh I can apply that or I can use that or you know when I get out of this mess I'm going to really think about that as a as a way of living and that that that's what the book's about and you know I think a lot of young entrepreneurs a lot of old entrepreneurs should listen and read the book because there's so many inspirational stories from 
so many different people about all different subjects, from heart-centered to head-centered to emotional to negotiating to brain science and all the emotions that I went through. And I think that gives, you know, it will answer a lot of the questions that you're asking yourselves and anyone listening who is, you know, asking themselves poor questions. And that's the only way I can describe them. If you ask yourself a poor question, you'll get a poor answer. If you ask yourself really good questions, you'd be surprised how better the answer and how better the outcome will be as well. Why is this happening to me? Why have I? Why does this always happen? Why? Why am my team always like? Why? Why? Why does it always land on my desk? Um, they, the clues is is in you, not the problem. And you, you know that that's what I hope this book will do. And it's it's quite a long book. It's three hundred fifty six pages, and it only came out at the end of last month. So slowly but surely, people are getting through it, and I'm getting the most beautiful messages from people going. Do you know what? One, one guy said, this is the best book I've read this year. And I just went, oh, that's very nice. And, and he's a well-known, very successful business person. And I was, I was very pleased to, to receive that. And I, do, and I do think in today's world, we all need that, that coach, mentor, somebody you can count on. And if you can get lots of advice, which is all positive, it'll be in a great place. Yeah. Do you think you have too many coaches and mentors? No. You'll you get rid of them when you realise that, they, that the message they're giving you is, you know, you will outgrow your coaches. So I, I have a real thing about the difference between a, a anyone can be a coach. You know, a coach is about, I have all the answers. I need a coach to allow me to hear myself sometimes but a mentor has been there and done it and they'll just say shut up Christina you stop wasting your time because they've already made that mistake and, and for me that's a it's a real key difference but I was talking to someone and they were they were kind of like because I have a few I have mentors for different things essentially um and they were like you know that's that's a lot of mentors like conflicting advice and blah 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 and I, I'm just like I don't have to listen everyone all of the time I can bring it all together and make the decision that's right for me but what's important is I'm not living in an echo chamber it also are you asking lots of people because you're scared to make a decision um yeah probably <laughs> that's what I worked that's what I worked at when I worked out I'd asked more than two people the answer was you're scared to make a decision okay stop asking people questions and go make the decision so I think you actually nailed that quite nicely. Have they done what I want to do? <laughs> Have they gone where I want to go? And, and and would I swap places with them in a heartbeat? And if the answers to any of those three questions are not yes, then you go, you know, whilst your advice is useful, helpful, it's not you're not the right person right now, what I need. When I was selling the business, I found people who were in exit who'd done exits, who'd gone through that. Some had done small exits, some had done IPOs. And I went and, and someone said to me this morning, actually, he said, drink lots of coffee. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, go and have lots of coffee with lots of people who, who, who have done where you're... So he reiterated my own advice back to me. But it was, it was I just love that idea, which is drink lots of coffee, you know, because that's the best way you're going you're gonna to get it. But if you find you're still asking the same question to lots of people, then you're just scared to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a real, um, when it gets to that point, I'm like, right, it's action time. And honestly, I've, I remember I was um, sat with one of my men, we were having lunch and I was like, literally, I just got my laptop out and I just did, actioned it there and then just completely like completely removed a section from a website that was like just give me 10 minutes and it's like actioned it's done because I, th I think this is the thing it's you know a lot, a lot of people UK and US especially I think they in the world of entrepreneurship there's a lot of investment in education self-development that kind of stuff but it's like let's go on this seminar and write some notes and then put it on the shelf 
let's go and go on this three-day course and write lots of notes and that goes in like the bottom drawer and we never actually implement it and I'm, I'm such a big every time I deliver a workshop at the end of it I'm like right what's three things you like I know you've written loads of notes I know I told you a ton of stuff what are the three things you're actually going to do absolutely I've got dusty files from Tony Robbins from Robin Sharma from I'm trying to think how many different conferences and events I've been to and and but but every single one of them had an impact on me you know someone uh, I once had a girl work with me she had, she'd been to seven Tony Robbins I said why why do you need to go to him, see him seven times? The message ain't that different. If, if the first time didn't move you, change you, and improve you, then what are the other six times going to do? It's like junkies for, 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 for information, but not action. You know, his whole thing is about take massive action. Okay. What massive action have you taken? I've bought another ticket. <laughs> I've got all the bonuses. Oh, brilliant. Um, on, on that note, because some of these events are, there's an element of fun around them as well. Sometimes you need to upgrade your circle of influence. And I think that sometimes investing in some of this stuff isn't so much about the education you get there, but it's actually the people you get to hang around with doing it. Um, I mean, is that something that you found that as the business has grown, you've had to like keep the keep the balance of, Focus on the business and getting stuff done, but also that kind of balance of fun and hanging out with the right right people. Hundred percent. No, you the people that you hang around with, if they're the same people you're hanging around with, you're not moving on, you're not improving. You need you need to improve that circle. And you've got to get rid of the negative energy in your life. You've got to find people who have who've done what you or either done what you want to do or on the way to doing what you want to do. And that way you you know, together you're going to inspire yourself. My my best friend and I have been friends since we were 17 years old. We've been in, and we do nothing which is comparable. But for 33 years, we've motivated each other. I clearly motivate him. He motivates me. When there's a problem, I phone him up and he goes, "Wipe your mouth. You lost the battle. Now go on, go on win the war." And, and it's as simple as that. And and you know, you need people in your life who are just going to say to you. Stop the crying, stop the whinging. Look, you didn't didn't play the game right. You didn't do things this right. You didn't handle that right. I just want to touch on the point that you, you said before, and I just this is something for you to think about. You know, a mentor says you don't do that because I tried that and it didn't work. What happens if he was just not very good at it or he didn't know how to do it? So so you've also you've also got to go back to backing yourself, which is <laughs> Sorry, you know what decisions you you took? Why did you do that decision in the first? Why did you have that on your website in the first place? Why? What was the benefit of doing it? And and you've really got to make sure you challenge that process because you know there's there's things that you know the, there's businesses that I've been successful in that other people looked at and went there's no money in that, and I've made millions out of them. So don't don't you also <laughs> don't believe everything everybody tells you. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this is the thing. We're all different human beings. So even I say to my clients all the time, I could have two two like for like businesses where like a, a, a tick box list, like you'd be ticking every box for each business. And yet I would still suggest different strategies because of the individuals within the business. The, you know, what one of my mentors is a real kind of, he's a real sales diva absolutely and he's he's real old school hard, like hard as nails sell 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 and there are some some approaches that he would love me to put into the business where I'm like it just doesn't fit with my values it doesn't it wouldn't be authentic for me to take that approach it's that's just not who I am and even though I'm you know, this is not a £50 an hour mentor. This is, you know, it's significant investment. So even though I'm going, right, that's the guidance, that's the advice, but I'm going to do this because this is what's right for me and my brand. Last month was the best month we've had in the history of the business. You know, it's like you can still, whether you choose to implement or not, if it's a conscious choice not to, that's fine. Um, but I think it is about, like, as individuals, 
you know, who am I? What do I stand for? Who are you? What do you stand for? Things are going to work differently for us. And you will outgrow everybody, you know, the people I work with at the very beginning. And, and probably at my peak, I was spending a quarter of a million a year on coaching, mentoring, courses, training. When I started, I, would, I wouldn't spend, you know, five grand. So you, you, as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, your, your investment in you, because you, you can't run a $100 million business yet because you haven't got the belief, stories, whatever it is that. But actually, the, the formula and legs and... And the, the actual reality of running business is no different. If you can run a small business, you can run a big business. The only difference is it's a bit like, you know, how do you do a £100,000 deal? You know, if you're, all your deals are 20000 30000 how do you do 100000 And most people look at me and go, um, you know, you create value. No, you just ask for it. If you ask for it, if you ask for 100000 every time as opposed to twenty. <laughs> sorry, you're going to get, every now and again, you're going to get £100,000 deals because you asked for it. And it's the same thing with running a business. If you want to run a big business, just have a big, big, bigger business strategy. It's the same, you still got to do the accounts, you still got to do the payroll, you still got to do all the, let's do the same things. It's just that you're, the, the money coming in is just a bit more exciting. <laughs> all our businesses are UK-based and their opportunities keep cropping up overseas and I've always been like no 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 because I don't know where to start don't know where to start but I was talking to someone the other day and it, currently working on opportunity at the minute in the states and it's it's the first time I've really followed it through because I said I don't actually know what I'm scared of but I, I don't know what this fear is I don't I love your accent over like there. I don't know what the problem is going to be with me doing it because I haven't done it so I just need to do it and if there are problems I'll just deal with it and deal with them as we go um, which is kind of, there's still a fear factor in there, but it is, again, I back me, let's do it. We'll figure it out. And what's the worst that happens is you, you keep them separate and as long as it doesn't bring down the, the whole ship, then there you go. It's just, it's just an investment that didn't work. But, not but, and if you don't focus on it, like you can't have a business in America and go, yeah, you know, I've hired Dave because he's got a great resume and, you know, he's going to do that for me. He's not you. You know, people want you. That's the hardest thing is being able to give it the same love and attention that you're giving to, the, to where your feet are. Mm. It is difficult to, to remove yourself from the business. Definitely. <laughs> You've not had that issue. Oh, it, it, <laughs> I have that issue all the time, but but that's a that's a choice. You know, there are there are elements of the business I love. There's so many jobs that I don't do anymore because they, they they don't add any value to the business. You you get people you know, you fire yourself on the roles that you don't want to do, but there's certain roles within the business that you need to do because you're the best at it, and you need to find that that thing that you love so much, right? I love doing deals. I love negotiating the deals. Do I love doing the paperwork? Do I love going out there cold calling and finding them anymore? No, but when someone's on the phone and there's a deal to be had, either if we're buying something, selling something, whatever it is, that's where I'm going at my best. You know, structure a deal that's good for everybody. Finding the opportunity in that deal for the client. That's what I'm really good at. So that's the bit I should be doing more of, not, you know, I'm very good at doing tax returns or, you know, I'm very good at spotting where we, we spent too much money on paper clips. They're just not, they're, 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 we call them blue tasks. You know, we just let someone else do the blue tasks. No, like I say, I'd, it is a, I'd, I wonder if there's something entrepreneurial within it as well. I, I, I love, I love the scoping calls. I, I love the bit where I get to rock up, hear about your business for the first time and just get really creative in the moment. But then after that, when it actually comes to putting the proposal together and doing the follow-up and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, I need people for that. Let, let me go and be creative with the, with the next prospect now. And, you know, it's See, that, 
that's the clown work, right? So you've got to be careful because agencies get a reputation for sending in the clowns, right? Who goes in and does all the fanfare, and then you get the nineteen-year-old who, who does all the grunt work, and then when it all goes wrong, the, you know, you have to come back in and save it. So you just got you just got to be careful that you're you're still, you know, that that element of you is flowing right the way through your business. That everybody in the in the food chain is as passionate about their bit as you are. Yeah, which comes back to recruitment again. And like I say recruitment is a it's a it's a tough nut to crack for that exact reason. I'm a big like everyone in this business. It's like bring your whole self to work. If you're trying to be me, you it's not going to work because it it's you know our, our that individuality. It's is what differentiates us from our competitors. You know, it's the way that we're all very different, but we all come together because we've got real solid values um, and a real, you know, our, our morals are kind of all aligned as well. So it is that, like I said, we're, I think we, we were meant to be together. People come in and sometimes if they're not quite on board with that, they don't last very long because it, it's it's tough to be part of if you're not on board uh yeah i recognize that and i want people who believe what i believe and if they don't believe what i believe then then i just want people to challenge me i I don't need another 10 me's because i'm making it up as i go along so i need people to go well christina slow down and i go right should i be slowing down oh yeah jane's right or actually, no, Mark, you need to go in a bit faster. Or, or if Jane and Mark listen to that, I'll, I'll be in trouble now. But, you know, you, you get the idea. It's like if if I'm not being challenged by my team, then actually we're in an echo chamber and we're not going to be very good as a creative agency. Huh. Makes sense. Makes sense. But I think what you really need is you, is, is you grow your own policy. So you bring in people. Who you are, who who understand what's expected and are prepared to do that that job in your organisation, and and you've got to find the right people who love that bit of the job. There are people out there who love data analytics, who love analysis, who like writing decks and creating decks. That's all you need. You need to find a few of those. Then you find people who love the client bit and keeping clients happy. And as long as you have it's a bit like a football team you've got to have two or three in each position so you know you'll never you know you can grow and you can take on more work and that way they're all as good as each other you know and, and it's a great team and you know it, it sounds like that uh, you know you've got your head screwed on and you're doing all the right things and you're asking the right questions the 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 the, the only issue with that is that if you're asking yourself questions which are too small or your or your thinking is too small it's just it's going to limit you where you go absolutely absolutely so simon i'm conscious of time um we need to wrap things up but before we do so your book is not long published so um just give us the title quick synopsis and you know it's called equanimity it's a diary of a ceo in crisis it's the conversations that happened over the last two and a half years which are exciting challenging it's how how i dealt with everything that was thrown at me in a struggling business and i think it really does apply to anybody who's in business today because if you're struggling if you're doing well if you're doing okay it'll just it'll challenge you and ask you questions that you're not maybe asking yourself so if you can go quicker or you can improve or you can expand at a different pace and spent the last oh, since January this year so that the book ended in December 31st and if you look at my LinkedIn over the last five months I do a monthly roundup of what I've done and I've transformed my life I've gone from being you know stressed out individual into to actually loving and enjoying what I do and doing making making the making the months count because we, we don't know how long we're here for and we're just going to enjoy it and do as many things as you can and then you're not going to get any um any awards for saying you know you worked 
you worked way too hard and you didn't enjoy yourself. And that's why you go into business. You know, to all the entrepreneurs li- listening, you swapped a nine to five job for a 24 seven job for a salary, which is probably less than you were earning in your job. You've got to make this work for you. You've got to make it work so you enjoy it and you have the best of it. And not doing that, then Bobby, talk to me, text me, whatever you want to do. I'm I'm happy to help as many people starting out, struggling, finishing up. I've got I've 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 got the formula. I've worked and know how to enjoy life. And that's what I want from, from everybody to interact with. That's amazing. What a wonderful, wonderful note to, to end the episode on. Simon, thank you so much for your time. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm.